I'm delighted to welcome to the show this afternoon, Jem Ayres. And Jem, you're a life coach. Welcome to the programme. Hi, Elaine. Uh, yes, I'm a life coach. And currently, I kind of uh, specialise in coaching people with cancer because that was my own personal journey. Thanks for having me. You're most welcome. So, um, cancer. Let's let's start. Let's start with that. As 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 you've raised it, what um, what cancer did you have, and and what did you do to to get over it? Okay, so 2015, uh, almost exactly four years ago, I was diagnosed with melanoma, advanced stage melanoma. So that's a skin cancer, and uh, a tumor was found in my brain when I was traveling in Thailand and they I had brain surgery out there and then I got back to the UK and they discovered the tumors in my lungs and my lymph nodes as well and I was just sent home and told that palliative care was the only real option or the medication they were offering me would stabilize me at best and I went home with this information knowing that actually that wasn't enough for me being told that I just had to you know, spend time with my friends and family and to move to, you know, a ground floor flat because I wouldn't be able to make the stairs for much longer. And none of that was giving me the, the, the will to fight, really. And actually, when a friend said to me, the first time someone said this phrase to me, which those of us in cancer are probably quite used to, she said, you can beat this. And the word beat it was such a strong resonance through my body I could actually feel that word beat rippling through me, not in a good way. And I just recognized that actually I didn't want to beat or fight. I was already exhausted. I was already recovering from brain surgery. I had to learn to walk again. My lungs had collapsed. My breathing was down by 30%. And in that moment, I just chose the opposite word to beat it. And I just said to her really quickly, I'm not going to beat it. I'm going to glide. And that was my mantra the whole way through cancer was, I'm going to glide through cancer. And every opportunity I had, I would make choices which were the easiest and most joyful for me. If it didn't fill me with joy, I didn't want to do it. And of course, I had feelings of fear around treatments and around struggling and around dying and around suffering but I just made sure I had tools that I could use which would get me back onto a really positive track. So I would do yoga, meditation, chanting, dancing, hula hooping, all of these things that really just filled my body with joy because I knew that the information that I had, which was I had cancer, was actually more damaging to me than the cancer itself because I felt my body start to change the moment I heard the words you know, that it's palliative care only and advanced melanoma. And I knew that that wasn't the place that I could heal from. So I was always very aware with working with the subtle energies of my body. And I'd done this through yoga and through meditation and through tantra. And it's just tuning in to the really subtle signals that our body gives us. And none of us, we don't really listen to these things anymore because the outside world is so overstimulating that all of the loud things outside of us are telling ourselves how we need to push our body or to work harder or to drive faster and to achieve more. Whereas actually, I think disease is out there to teach us that we have pushed too fast and we just need to really slow down. So I gave my business over to someone else to run and I just stopped doing anything that wasn't healing myself so I looked at my diet and I made massive changes around my nutrition there I went vegan and gluten-free but a bit more than that I did an alkaline diet so it's you know seriously great superfood nutritional uh, you know high nutrition um, whole foods diet and I juiced regularly and I did lots of supplementing, but mostly I just tried to keep my body and my mind in a really very relaxed state because I wanted to work with the nervous system. We're so used to pushing ourselves so hard that we're all just fried and we're kind of used to tolerating a fast paced way of life. And I really believe that's where disease can set in when we've run ourselves down and when we've really dropped our life force and we're tired or we're stressed or we're just 
a little bit ill all of the time, but to the point where we don't even really notice it. So I just wanted my nervous system to drop into that place of rest and relaxation. And again, just finding ways of doing that, which supported me. And after, and I did also do treatment as well. That's important to talk about. I did a treatment called immunotherapy and I was only given a 10% chance of it working and working meant stabilizing. At no point did they think that I would be cancer free. No one thought I'd be cancer free. I was told I would be on blood thinners for the rest of my life and all the medication for the rest of my life. After one round, three months of immunotherapy, I was cancer free. So when I went back to the doctors and they said, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. I knew that it was more than their medication that had got me to this result. Well, that's a pretty, pretty amazing story, uh, Jim. And, um, you know, take my hat off to you. 2015, that must have been a, a pretty busy year because that was the year I was also stage four uh, cancer diagnosed as well. So what month oh, were you? Interesting. I've met a few people actually who were 2015 stage four as, who have recovered. So, yeah, it's obviously a trend. I think that there must have been some dust sprinkled in that year and they've sprinkled mm. it on toughies like us to, uh, yeah. to come through it so we can then teach other people what to do and how to avoid yeah. it uh, or if you've got it, how to get out of it. So mm, absolutely. lots of points there that um, I've made notes on. So were you on holiday in Thailand or did you live there? I mm. was travelling. I, I was travelling and I'd gone on a yoga and a chanting retreat and I'd had these headaches for about a month before <clears throat> and I was constantly wearing sunglasses because everything was too bright. And I'd had these horrendous migraines and I'd, had, uh, an, and I'd had a stroke as well. But the doctors just didn't really believe me because I was 32 at the time and I was fit and healthy and I was a dancer and I was always very positive. So, yeah, I wasn't really making enough of a fuss. So they told me I probably had eye strain and I needed to get some new glasses. So I went and got some new glasses. And then after a few weeks, they told me it was a sinus infection. So they gave me some antibiotics. And I had booked this Thailand trip months and months and months before. And I went off to Thailand and I was, wasn't really able to do yoga because I wasn't able to lift my head. And the noise of the chanting and the bells and the instruments was too loud for me. And I finally had a, a head massage and a Thai hot oil treatment on my third eye, which then led me to have a collapse, which then brought me into the hospital a few days later. So did they know straight away what was wrong with you? It was, uh, well, I was still walking in there saying, I've got some sort of your ear, nose and throat infection. It's a sinus infection. And they took me straight in to do a head scan and they popped up and they said, you don't have a sinus infection, you have a problem in your brain. And those words really hit me. And when I saw the brain scan, it was a substantial tumour. And the surgeon said to me, he said, I don't really understand how you got here. And I said, well, you know, just from the boat, the island next door. And he said, no, how, how long have you been in Thailand? Because you shouldn't have made the flight. You should have gone into a coma in the air with the tumour this size. And, but he said any other surgeon would be rushing you into hospital, into surgery this moment, because I can see you and see that you're walking and talking when you shouldn't be. We've got time to prepare your body. So they pumped me full of steroids and morphine to, you know, to reduce the inflammation and to shrink any you know, effects that maybe the surgery might have. So I had a few days to prepare for that. So um, how come the optician didn't see? Because I understood that when you're, well, my understanding is that when you have an eye test, they can see things that are not right in your brain. So Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is a question I ask as well. I only found this out that the optician could have seen it. I only found this out about probably a year later. Uh, but no, I don't know. Unless it was particularly fast growing, I suppose. But even then, it well, just I was told it was quite a slow grower, supposedly, mm. and that it'd been growing over a few years. Wow, goodness me! So, so when you were travelling, you so the fact that you were going out to Thailand for this yoga, spiritual sort of thing, presumably you were already into the world of health and well-being, were you? Yeah, I'd been doing yoga for about two or three years. I'd been doing tantra for about five years. I'd been doing meditation for maybe a few years longer than that. 
so yeah I'd always been into kind of alternative ways of seeing the world and health and you know the energy in our body then I really think that was a gift for me actually because when I was in hospital and my lungs collapsed and I was recovering from brain surgery when someone goes in your head and mucks around actually it's quite tough to recover and, and I couldn't see properly and I couldn't here, everything was too loud. Everything was too bright. I couldn't walk. I couldn't even lift my head for three days. I think this was the amount of steroids that I'd been put on. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't look at screens. I couldn't look at my phone and watch telly. Even everything, the world was too fast. And because suddenly breathing had become a real chore for me, all I could do, the only energy I had was to focus on my breath. So for me, that was like three weeks of meditation, isolated in a hospital in Thailand. I didn't have any of the usual distractions that we have. I didn't have friends and family flocking to my bedside, panicking. I didn't have um, you know, any kind of uh, fear from the outside world, really, because it was, it was quite a beautiful experience just staring outside of my window at the palm trees and the sun just teaching myself how to breathe again or teaching myself how to walk again. So for me, I think that was really good practice in meditation so that by the time I did have the influx of friends and families, panic and fear and doctors, fearful faces and all of this information you can find out of the internet about cancer. By the time all of that started flooding into me, I was in a really calm and solid and sorted place just through being with my breath. That's that's really interesting because um, all of the mentoring that I've done with um, people uh, dealing with cancer, a big, big factor is friends and family that, that you mentioned that you didn't yeah. have to start with. So the fact that you were going through this on your own, um, I, I did exactly the same thing, actually. I, I cut everything off, every, everything, everybody. And my job was to get well. And I, I cracked yes. stage four in 14 weeks. So mm, um, well done. It's, it's amazing what we can do when we put our mind to it. But we have to do it ourselves. It's not something that anybody can do for us or with us even. And yeah. sometimes with the best will in the world, you know, the friends and family, they think they're helping, but all they're doing yeah. is just dumping their fear onto you, which then makes the situation worse, doesn't it? Absolutely. The information out there or the message out there about cancer is all around fear and struggle. And at best, it's survival. And that's not even, you know, a great option, is it? So everyone's running around with this information that cancer looks a certain way and people believe that they know how your story is going to or your journey is going to navigate or maybe end up as soon as you say, I've got cancer. People still now say to me, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I always say, do you know what, don't. It was the most amazing experience of my life. So much learning and so much insights about myself. And I did have a core solid network and community of friends who were at the end of the phone when I needed them. But again, because I was in Thailand, none of them were available till at least three in the afternoon. So I only had three or four hours of messaging. And that's even when I could look at my phone. And so I do think support is really, really important. But by the time I was back in the UK, I felt like I was my own project manager. I, you know, because people wanted to come around and make me tea or bring me cake, but actually I wasn't eating cake or drinking tea anymore. So I really needed to recognize that I did need help and support, but I need to really be clear on what I was asking for. So I might say to people, my birthday's coming up, please don't buy me Prosecco and chocolates like last year. Please buy me root ginger and organic celery and veg boxes. And if you do want to come around my house, that's great, but I'm not gonna be entertaining. If you come around, could you help me hoover? Or could you change yes. my bedding or could yeah. you help me hang out my laundry and I had a friend who created a rotor for me so that any visits I did have you know it was really well structured and I had lots of time and lots of peace and lots of rest as well as support and I think people need to know because the story out there is someone's got cancer we're all going to be very sad about it let's probably not mention the c word and not really talk about it and she probably needs me to bring her cake and actually, that was the exact opposite of what I needed in that time. Exactly. There, there needs to be an awful lot of education. And, and a lot of people don't realise that cancer is pretty much in us all the time, every single living yes, person. Um, and it's our immune system. If our immune system is high and strong and resilient, we'll, we'll bat it away. 
it's only so don't wait till it takes over your body exactly. to make changes in your life so yeah. many people are pushing themselves to the absolute limit with work or in relationships or with stress with friends and family or with food that they're eating you know and no one's doing anything about it until they're really up against it same with me I didn't have a particularly bad diet you know but I was working too hard but not in comparison of most I don't think but I know when I finally got my diagnosis I only really told a handful of people and I didn't tell anyone for about another three weeks I think it was because I needed to figure out what it meant for me and how I was going to go about it before other people started jumping in with their ideas and helpful suggestions you know very good willing people with their helpful suggestions so I wanted to figure it out first but obviously because I've been in Thailand and there's been a lot of you know Facebook and social media updates about me people had started to know so I put a video out on Facebook telling people what the diagnosis was and that actually what I needed was their love and I was going to overcome it with love so not to turn up with, you know, sad faces and cake, please. And I think that was a real turning point for people because um, people could see that actually maybe I was going to do cancer a little bit differently. And, the, and the, the feedback I got from people, wow, I was just overwhelmed with messages of love and support, not only from friends and family, from complete strangers. And there really is a thing about being able to receive and know that we're worthy, actually. I think the unworthy bug that we all kind of have is one way or another, we're probably not good enough. This is what keeps us working too hard and trying too hard and not looking after ourselves and not prioritising our health. Because we kind of feel that we're not really good enough. And that's totally fed by, you know, um, industry and marketing and publicity. You know, buy this and look better, buy this and feel better. And actually, if we just take time to step outside of that and go, right, what's inside of me? And um, if I tune in, what is my body telling me I need instead of the adverts I see every day? And we start listening more to our body and its wisdom. Then I think we really reach a, a deeper level of understanding about what our needs are, a more, uh, a more authentic, you know, true um, level of what our needs are. Absolutely. And it's it's um, interesting what you were saying about Facebook, because a lot of people say, oh, you know, Facebook's addictive and this, that and the other and social media, the, all the pressure, et cetera, et cetera. Use the darn thing to help you, which which you did. Yeah. I, I did the same thing because um, having so many contacts, you can't go through the energy drain of explaining Ugh. going on to so many different people. So just put one message out there. Everybody gets it at the same time. And um, job done then, isn't it? You can carry totally. on relaxing, gliding Facebook's through. Yeah. Facebook is completely, completely addictive. The iPhone's completely addictive. And there are all so many different platforms now, Instagram and, uh, and Twitter and everything else. And But actually, that time in Thailand, it was my saving grace having my iPhone. <laughs> um, you know, even though now I'm trying to wean myself off a little bit more but it did mean that I could just put a message going out there going thank you for all of your messages keep them coming but please don't be offended that I might not reply you know because I need to look after myself instead of replying to hundreds of messages with the same story with the same information you know kind of going around in the same rut and potentially having to fend off all the doom and gloom that people could be giving back in a very well-meaning way yeah yeah exactly and you also mentioned earlier on about the fact that you'd had surgery and yeah. um, I think that's an important point to to mm. about as well because of the um th- there's a lot of people out there claiming that they have recovered from cancer completely naturally but yeah. they've actually had surgery first and then yeah. done the natural thing which is what what many of us do um but don't claim you've you know fix yourself naturally if you've had integrative it's about taking the best isn't it best of national health or for sure uh, island health and then um, alongside that you do what you can naturally to boost everything for sure I I do a lot of talks I talk at a lot of retreats and people often share my website or my information say Jemez healed herself naturally and I get a bit upset actually it's like no no one I didn't and I never say that um but also with people that I coach because I coach people through cancer or and I never tell people what to do I always say 
whatever you feel like when you tune in is the right thing for you. And I know a lot of people really don't want to do chemo because of all the messages out there about chemo. But for some people, actually, the fear of not doing it is even greater. You know, choose what feels right for you and then we will figure out how best to support you because there's so many different alternatives that you can do to support your body in preparation for surgery, in preparation for chemo and in the aftermath and in the recovery as well. And it's like, let's just do it all. But if it's not right for you, that's fine, too. But let's not try and push our ideas on people. I know when I first got diagnosed, you know, the fear and the overwhelm. Oh, God, it was amazing. I had no idea what to do initially. And a friend, again, a very well-meaning friend, and she'd done a lot of research, and she'd done a lot of research, probably seen people through chemo and all sorts, and she just messaged me and she gave me loads of information about natural alternatives, and she said, um, if it was me, uh, I would never do chemo. And that was not a helpful bit of information for me, actually, in that moment, because it wasn't her, it was me. And when you're in that place, I don't think anyone can appreciate what is going on in your body and your mind when, you know, you're faced with a kind of end of life prognosis. And I kind of ignored all the rest of her information because of that. Actually, a few months later, her information was really, really valid and I could look at it again. But the fact that she was already telling me what I should and shouldn't be doing was creating a block for me. That's so I think what it really yeah. is figuring out what the individual needs and wants, and then putting your own beliefs on the shelf to support them in their journey. A lot of individuals don't know what they want, though, because they don't know what's available. No. Um, they're led by the nose, as I was initially, because when I had yeah. my stage four in 2015, that was my third cancer. Um, mm. I started my cancer journey 2009. And, wow. Um, uh, I, I was led, led, you know, through the fear side of things mm. I, I had no experience I didn't know anybody with cancer my dad died of cancer years before over 40 yeah. years ago but that was a different sort of cancer that um uh that that was, was not relevant to my story so um I I had no expertise nobody to turn to um and basically I was frightened into having surgery which now with hindsight, which obviously we can't operate by hindsight, but we learn from it, I would not have had the surgery I had. So, mm. uh, but and so many people, um, in fact, uh, recently a lady contacted me and she had exactly the same diagnosis that I had um, over 10 years ago. And yeah. the treatment is still identical. And she was mm. hurried along and hurried along and so on and so forth. And she's chosen a natural path. That was, that's her way anyway. And um, so far, so good. They can't believe yeah. how we're doing, etc. But um, I think all these things are sent to us as a, you know these challenges in life. They come to us as, as a gift, as you say. And absolutely, uh, depending upon our approach and our, our mental resilience as well as our physical mm. resilience. But I think it's more mental, isn't it? More mental resilience. Oh, yeah. that gets us through. When I when I first start coaching people, it's really great actually if people start working with me almost straight away when they're in that initial fear and overwhelm. Because when you've been in the cancer world for a little while and you've kind of you've got the doctor's lingo down and you've been on that little treadmill and like you say the rush of right we need to do this we need to try this we need to get you on this trial or whatever it is there is a real urgency and that creates anxiety and it could take quite a lot of time to kind of get someone away from that to be able to find clarity in themselves but when I start working with people who really at the start in that fear and that overwhelm. That's when I feel I can really, really help because then I can offer practical tools and breath work and meditation techniques and ways to tune in and listen to the body. Like calm the crazy mind because the crazy mind is what pays attention to everything out there. And if we pay too much attention to everything out there, all the conflicting views and contradictory evidence and all the stuff that Google tells us about all the different, you know, you should definitely drink this, you should never drink this. Mm then, you know, we're only going to end up in confusion. And I really like to teach people to listen to their body because I really believe our body knows best. Absolutely. And also uh, this the concept that there's, there's lots of healers out there. Well, I, I, I take the yeah. view that uh, the only healer is, is the body. The body will heal Absolutely. itself if we provide it uh, with the right environment. And I always I, say this to people. I'm not a healer. I, I'm not a healer. I'm, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a doctor in any way, shape or form. 
I've just been through it and I figured out what worked for me. And maybe some of that might be helpful information for you. You know, absolutely. But again, it's not a one size fits all situation. We didn't all get cancer for the same reason. We haven't all got the same cancers. And the thing is with the medical, the medical intervention, it, it kind of treats cancer, you know, as a, as as if we're all the same but we're not we're all individuals so we really need to tune into you know what is there for us where did this actually come from where is the lesson to learn what needs to change and I know so many people who talk to me about when I make suggestions around changing their lifestyle or changing their diet and it all seems like too much for them and they and they kind of have it in their mind that well I only have to do this for six weeks or six months or till I get through chemo and I'm like, no, 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 we don't want to go back to that place you were when you had cancer take over your body. We kind of need to make some lasting changes in your mindset, if nothing, if nowhere else. I remember when I overcame cancer, a very, again, a very well-meaning friend got in touch with me and said, oh, thank Christ, you can come off of that crazy diet of yours. Mm-hmm. I just looked and I was like, mm-hmm. do you have you any idea what I've been through the last few months? See, do you not see that the diet for me was a massive part, not only in nutritional change, but in mindset change, knowing that I was worthy to tailor my diet to suit me instead of just going along with what was being offered or what was the easiest accessible food that is out there in the world. The easiest and accessible food that's out there in the world is, you know, is not good and it's 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 takeaways it's mcdonald's it's pre-packaged convenience foods to keep us you know in that fast pace of life because we don't have time to cook we don't have time to soak lentils we don't have time to grow our own vegetables so we're all just rushing and rushing and it's not nutritionally dense so for me you know diet change isn't just about the body and nutrition it really is stating a fact about my health my health is a priority and I'm going to take time to cook my food really well and I'm going to prepare it really well and I'm going to spend some extra money on some really good quality organic produce for my body because it's worth it. The the thing about um, cancer coming back time and time again, mm. um, people that I have um, mentored or, or you know had conversations with, um, they, they'll get sorted and then a year or so later they'll go oh, can you help me again so and so's come back I said, what, what have you done and they've done nothing you know yeah how are you living well they've gone back exactly as you say gone back yeah. to that got them in the in the, the pickle in the first place so um it is a life change and i'm i mean i've come out to portugal now and um the first thing i did was found a, an organic farm um Beautiful. yeah so i've got um you know i've got everything i need um mm. I was told that I wouldn't find this and I wouldn't find that and I'm too fussy the only thing I haven't found yet is organic red wine but I'm on the case for that <laughs> <laughs> everything, everything else um is uh is is you know as as I oh. as I was eating we you know when I was in the UK but also yeah. it's you know you're saying that people don't have time to 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 uh, prepare meals it's it's a choice isn't it people do have it's time a, they choose to spend total, it yeah place. it's how we prioritize Indeed, they do. I've been traveling for the last few months, so I haven't had a home base. So I'm not always with my juicer anymore. And I'm not, I haven't done as much yoga. I used to yoga almost every day, and I've fallen out of really good habits. And it's like, okay, this is only a temporary thing for me. But what can I keep uh, to keep me on track? And I have a little bag that I travel with, and I kind of, I call it my self love bag. And it's just a bag of supplements and bits that I have in the morning which has ginger in so that I can have some fresh ginger tea and it has some greens powder, which, you know, isn't ideal, but when you can't juice when you're on the road, it's a step in the right direction. And, you know, vitamin B12 spray and vitamin D spray, things to keep me, you know, operating and functioning mentally as as I can. And just knowing that I have my breakfast sorted, I always travel with avocados and I always kind of take my sprouting jar everywhere so I can make some really great kind of probiotic, high protein sprouts as well. But if I really focus on my breakfast every day, I know that the start of the day when I first wake up, my body is taking in good things. It's just setting an intention out there, which is, okay, the rest of the day, I'm going to be maybe a bit more relaxed and not so stressed about it. I know that I've had this time to get the nutrients in. 
And yeah, people always talk about how tricky my diet is or how difficult it is, or I'm never gonna find, um, I'm never gonna find what I need. I was staying at my friend's the other night and um, and it was 10 o'clock at night and we hadn't really thought about eating because we'd been having too much fun. And he said to me, what do you want to eat? And I said, pizza. And he laughed at me. I never eat pizza. I don't even know where this came from. I said, I want, I want gluten-free vegan pizza. And he laughed even harder. He went, mm. you're never going to find it. I got online, seven minutes walk from his house, seven minutes walk from his house, gluten-free vegan pizza. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. do you know what? It is out there and it's getting more and more out there. There are apps for me to find food. There are different websites for me to find food. I'm a massive foodie. So I'm not going to just be eating salad. You know, I'm not going to be limiting my joy through my food. Yeah, we're so lucky now where plant-based diet is really, it's taking over the world. And I know lots of people in cancer aren't doing a plant-based diet. They kind of go for organic meat and what have you. And that's great too. But I really, my, my thing is actually a majority of the plant-based diet really is the way forward for our health, our planet, the state of the planet, you know, our future children, um, the animals. It's a, that's my vibe at the moment. Yeah, it, just, it feels good to eat living things or things that are as fresh and as colourful as possible. All it's all it's doing, Jim, is going back to the way we used to live years and years ago, hundreds of years exactly. ago. And and I can remember, you know, my grandparents. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm in my sixties now, but I'm not ancient. Mm. And I remember, you know, we, there was no such thing as, um, uh, you know, spraying all these crops and the the yeah. hybrids and the GMOs and yeah foods it didn't exist we had to buy every if i used to go to the shops every day and we used to have to buy bread and groceries um, and people weren't eating meat three meals no, no, a day no things weren't in packets day. we had no, uh, we, no. you know we had everything natural so we're, we're just going back to that and that's that's within my lifetime you know so um it's it's almost like a fashion coming around again but we now call it um you know faddy things you know veganism or whatever but you know that's how people used to live so there we go I want to go back onto your your diagnosis because you said it was melanoma which is skin cancer but then you spoke about brain surgery so so square that one up for me so the tumors had traveled basically what so skin cancer you usually get cancer through a mold for example and I'm a very moly person but Uh they never found the primary right okay so they they couldn't find any physical evidence um, and they called it a tumour of unknown origin. Right, okay. Them, wow, okay, so if there's no physical um, cause, then it must be it must be psychological. Don't worry, I've got this. And of course, mm-hmm. the doctor just glazed over when I said mm-hmm. that. But what happens then is the tumours, uh, the cancer can travel through your blood and pop up anywhere in the body. And the brain was the largest one. And then I had smaller ones in my lung and my lymph node. So it was the brain one that was... A, the originally found because that was the one that was causing the most chaos that was what was giving me the the dizziness and the collapse and the stroke well thank goodness it did because if you hadn't mm. have had that collapse then you know it still would have been running right through your body and who knows where where, where it would have landed up so I, I I'm so thankful for when I booked that um head massage so I said to the woman I've had this I said to her I've had these awful headaches for months for a month now so this massage will either be kill or cure and she giggled and went cure and it was wasn't it you know because yeah. it was that massage that led me to my final collapse which led poor, me to end poor up woman. taken taken poor to woman hospital there. i bet she i bet she thought she'd killed you though. i bet it must have been frightening for her oh it wasn't until a bit, uh, about half an hour later when i was sat uh, in the restaurant ah <laughs> uh, phew i had to be phew. carried back to my room yeah 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 absolutely uh, yeah, it was a very exciting experience. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay, I've not met anybody in the cancer, you know, who's got through cancer that hasn't said, "Thank heavens, I had it. What a gift!" And how my yeah. how wonderful my life is now as a result. Yeah, not and again, this is something when I'm coaching people, it's like, right, let's recognise, let's step away from how awful your life is now that you have cancer and what awful experiences you're having and all of this fear and all of this anxiety. And let's start to look at what cancer is teaching you and where we can be thankful and what changes you are making in your life that are benefiting not only you, but they will benefit your children, your family, your community, wider society. Now let's look at what cancer is teaching us, how we can learn from it and how we can move on into a better place from it. Indeed. You also touched on the word tantra. Before yes. you went to um, Thailand, you said that you'd been um, 
practice in Tantra for a little yes. while. I know uh, we've spoken before the interview about um, how this has helped you and perhaps other people in recovering from cancer. So without getting into any X-rated stuff, um, talk yeah. us through the Tantra and how that relates to uh, healing from cancer. So lots of people think about Tantra as a religion. I prefer to think of it as a kind of a way of life. Um, but what it is, is it's learning about your body and all of your body. And the areas where we have the most blocks or we don't want to learn or the most shame is in our sexuality. And actually, that's a massive part of learning. Because if we've got any shame in anywhere, we're blocking some energetic flow through our system, whether we call it prana in yoga or um, qi in tai chi or, or Chinese medicine or life force. You know, these are ancient healing techniques which work on energetic flow through the body. In Tantra, they just kind of labelled it as sexual energy. But it's actually just, it's all the same thing. It's all energy. And when we block flow, that is where disease and ill health can um, creep in because we're blocking, maybe we're blocking blood flow, maybe we're blocking energy, maybe we're blocking oxygen. It doesn't actually matter. And I work with sexuality now as a body worker and a sex coach. And I do also take some of these techniques into people who come to me through my cancer coaching as well, because it is about using our life force energy and raising it in our body so that we can just feel a lot more, a lot more vibrant, a lot more alive. Uh, you know, people in cancer, don't people in cancer want to feel a lot more alive? Because I know that there were definitely times when I didn't feel alive. I felt shut down. I felt depressed. I felt anxious. I didn't feel like I was living anymore. My body felt creaky and tight. I was in pain. I was in tears. Actually, if we've got techniques and whatever they are for you, for me, tantric practices work, but there are other things that can work too that can really just make our body buzz and sing and make us feel more alive. That has a greater benefit in everything that we do. You know, that's a good place to build relationships from. You mentioned about being a body worker. Talk us through that. What do you mean by body worker? Hello. To me. And they oh, say... I, I lost you, Jim. Can you hear me? I can now, yes, I lost Great. it recently. So uh, okay. I was asking about body yes. worker. So people often come to me because they have different ailments. Sometimes I get women who have got fertility or hormonal challenges. Sometimes I get people with depression. Sometimes I get people with sexual challenges, so either low libido or something along those lines. And, and what I do is I get them to tune into their body and work with what their body is telling us. And actually, when we just breathe and listen through the different techniques that I teach, we can hear a lot. And sometimes joy can come up, laughter from nowhere, sometimes tears, sometimes there's a lot of grief that we need to release. Because when we're holding on to things or suppressing parts of ourselves, that's not good. And so my bodywork technique is often, sometimes it's through touch and massage, Sometimes it's through breath work and tuning in. Sometimes I just, I do a really great, I call it a belly massage. But all it is is hands on someone's belly and they can breathe and they can feel, just tune into what their body's saying. So it can be incredibly slow and incredibly subtle, but so, so powerful. We don't have to do much for the body to rest. We're doing so much in our daily lives. We're always doing. We're in our doing active mode. There's actually, if we get more into being quieter and softer and slower and more receptive instead of doing, then we get to feel more. And that's when we get start noticing what isn't good for us in our lives, which can ultimately lead to disease. Mm, absolutely. It's not one It's not one thing, is it? It's a whole, whole variety. And people can be taking... Yeah the most wonderful nutrition and exercise and be mentally mm. and think they're mentally okay and everything but if their body has these emotional blockages from whatever source and for most people it goes back years and years and years to childhood yeah I know okay. I've worked with quite a few women with breast cancer recently and um, there's often a thing about breast cancer can be uh, a cancer for people who are the overgivers the people who give too much from the heart. And so, so there are some great tantric practices around boundaries 
And so I can work with people like that. So actually, how do you start saying no more? If you're starting to say no to give in to others, which we're not taught to do because it sounds incredibly selfish. Actually, when we start saying no to other things, we're saying yes to ourselves more often. So there are exercises that we can look at. Where is the cancer in the body? What does that relate to in our lives? Where are we pushing ourselves too hard? And what exercises and techniques can we learn or can I offer that can help people make changes in that area of their life? Self-care isn't selfish, is it? There's this oh. misunderstanding that uh, Gosh. it's about putting your own oxygen mask on first. Absolutely. If you're looking after yourself first, you have more to give. When we give and we give and we give, we just get depleted unless we're filling ourselves up as well. Touching on breast cancer, um, the yes. other thing that's very common with uh, people having breast cancer is some kind of bereavement or, or mm. sudden, sudden stress. Uh, if something, it, it's very often bereavement or, as you say, with uh, giving too much, you know, for years yeah. and years and then it builds up. But uh, I've come across many, many cases um, of, of grief and particularly with sudden bereavement and it's um, all about the heart breast yes cancer. yeah all about the heart and the shock of the heart yeah yeah mine because I think I mean mine was a skin uh, skin cancer but I think because my tumor that was most uh, the largest was the brain tumor for me that's more to do with head and psychological stuff mm -hmm. you know, yeah I had I had a lot of head stress and emotional stress from a, a recent, a previous relationship, which had turned into quite a lot of psychological, psychologically unhealthy, you know, relationship. And I know that for me, that was where my biggest healing was actually, not only in learning to open my heart and to receive, but also into stepping into clearing my mind so that I wasn't in that crazy little, you know, world that our mind can let us get into. Yeah, I mean, it's great that you recognised that and did something mm. fantastic. So um, I asked guests to choose two songs, and you've chosen one that's on my on my list. Uh, my mm. list, Three Little Birds, Bob Marley. Why did you yeah. choose one? Oh, so I'd always been. I'd always. I was always aware of words and how powerful words can be in our psyche. And I just knew that when I listened to my body, everything else outside was telling me death, disease, suffering, cancer, awful, bad, bad, bad. And if I listened to those words a bit too much, that wasn't going to be helpful. So I needed to figure out what the words were for me. And if I tuned into my body, my body just very quietly said, you're going to be fine. And it wasn't like, you're going to be great. It was just, you're going to be fine. And Bob Marley just came to me because it's just, don't worry, every little thing is going to be all right. And I was like, oh, yeah, there we go. This is just a little thing. One day, this is going to be a little thing to me. Even though right now it's my massive whole world has caved in. One day, it's just going to be a little thing. Don't worry. Because right now I'm breathing and I'm seeing and I've started walking again. And actually, I'm okay right now. Let's not worry about what happens in a week or a month or six months' time. Exactly. So many people. And, and who doesn't love it. a bit of Bob Marley? Exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Real feel-good music. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, people do stress themselves out over stuff that's never likely to happen anyway. Oh, uh, indeed. I've, I've actually, tragically, I have seen many people literally kill themselves with worry. Mm, and, yeah. and they're so fearful that. And even when they when they've got through and they've got you know they're in remission or you know no evidence of disease whatever description the the medics give, they're they're then living in fear that it's going to come back. And, and that's that's goes. the next challenge, isn't it? Basically, I've overcome cancer now. Now, how the hell do I live the rest of my life? You know, being able to be in this knowledge that potentially it might come back because that's what we're told is that you know cancer will get you the second or the third time or that it will keep coming back. Well, I've, I've had four different versions of cancer. and Excellent. You're a good the, person to know. <laughs> the, 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 and they're all different. And the darn thing is not going to get me, that's for sure, because, you Indeed. know, after myself, et cetera, et cetera. However, each one has taught me different things that I've been able to pass on then to other people. Mm, again, it you know, goes back to the gift. And I don't see, I've never had a day's illness, even though I've had all these um, different things I've gone through. To me, it's just been an inconvenience, not an illness. It's an inconvenience. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what? That's what I thought of it. I thought it's just like a really bad flu. 
you know, I'm not going to be able to get out of bed for a while. I might be a bit tireder than usual. And it's going to take me a little while to get over. But it's just it's just one little drop in a massive ocean of my life. Exactly. Exactly. Good for you. The other song, um, Beatles, All I Need Is Love, which mm. I think is a great deal of explanation. But, but go on, give us some words around that song. Yeah. I mean, what can you say, really? Uh, so, yeah, I think I was just really opening up to love and help and support. And I don't think I'd ever really allowed myself. I'd always been a fiercely independent woman and, you know, wore the badge of pride, which actually meant I was exhausting myself. And I was just trying to do everything on my own, be massively successful. And, and I was. I was doing really well until cancer hit me. I didn't have time for cancer in my life. It's a massive inconvenience. But actually, it was the lesson that went, you need to stop doing this right now because it's not healthy. And so when when... Uh, cancer finally came I, was, uh, I just opened up to people and said right I need I'm going to need some help here and for me music as I said words music and vibration is really important to our mindset and to our healing so every day I would listen to my healing playlist with these songs on and even the medication that I was using so when I was I was injecting blood thinners into my belly every morning and I was whenever I went to the chemo ward for my immunotherapy I would play music to my medication before it went into my body so that I could infuse it with love. And I would do the same in my breakfast in the morning and with my juice as well. You know, I would always be playing lots of, kind of devotional chanting and love music and, yeah, Bob Marley, so that making sure that vibrationally what I was putting into my body was going to be, you know, of love. We've fed so much negative information out there. So I tried to cut that out as much as possible. You know, I didn't own a telly, but I wasn't watching anything on the screen and yet only really using Facebook for my advantage. I wasn't reading the news. I have no idea what happened at the end of 2015. I'm sure if something politically important was going on, someone should have told me. But it obviously wasn't important. And it was just really being aware that words and the information I was taking in was so important for my stress levels and my healing. They do, they've done... um. They've done loads of experiments about this. They put two plants in a school, two of the same plants. Both get fed and watered the same, but one plant the children are encouraged to give loving words to, and one plant the children are encouraged to bully. And, of course, one plant wilts, one plant flourishes. And I don't need to tell you which one that is. Mm. They, do the same with, they do the same with rice. They cook rice and they put it in three containers, and rice just contains water, basically. It's just their little water pockets. And one rice you shout and scream at for 15 minutes a day. One lot of rice you give loving words to. And then you've got the middle rice, which is your neutral, your tester. So you just leave it. And, of course, what happens is the middle rice over time goes mouldy because it's going it's rice. But the rice that has been loved and given love, it's, it's decaying, is delayed. And the rice that is given the shouting and the swearing moulds quicker. There's Dr. Emoji, who's a... A Japanese um, scientist who took water particles again from positive and from negative words and looked at them under a water under a microscope and the ones that had been given put into rooms full of devotional chants or children laughing or beautiful love songs that underneath the microscope on a molecular level they had changed to be the most beautiful snowflakes was the ones that had had negative words given to them or swearing or shouting had mutated and it wasn't the kind of water that you would want in your body and our body is 85 percent water and our cells are about 95 percent water and if cancer is just a cell which has mutated i want to make sure that only positive water is going into my body through my food and through my anything that i drink but also i believe we have the power to change that water in our body mm. water is so powerful um emoto's uh, work was was amazing sadly he died a couple of years ago but yeah um, yeah his work was really quite stunning and, and playing rock music versus yeah. playing soothing you know calming yeah. music you know it's, it's amazing what what happens and um picking up on the the water you mentioned so many people can just help themselves by drinking um, hydrating with oh. quality water, you know. Yeah, dehydration is massive. And it's free. It's free and it's available. And yeah, let's just all drink more water. It would help our brain a lot more. It would help our 
tissues and our cells and our health a lot more. It will help our nervous system a lot more. And because it's so easy and so obvious, we kind of ignore it. We'll all spend, people often get hold of me and ask me about supplements and where should they get the greens powder and should they really buy a 300-pound juicer? And I can definitely, you know, give suggestions around this, but one of the first things I say is, like, how is your water intake? Because if you're really going to be serious about your health, let's strip it right back to the basics first. The On the water theme again, I um, I became the UK distributor for something called the Power Tube, which oh, wow. um, is a vibrational device which... Um, it, it's classed as a TENS machine, but it actually isn't a TENS machine, it, that, but that's the nearest description. Yeah. Um, it works on a different frequency to TENS, and uh, it's kind of two metal rods joined by a lead, and you just simply hold it, you program it to go on for so many minutes, and um, it works, it dedicates its its life, so to speak, to the water molecule, so it fixes and repositions the water molecule in our body and that was amazing. my healing strategy when I had stage four in 2015. Amazing. And a number of people who I've I've mentored through has have have used power tubes to to keep them going and to help uh, on the healing front. So yeah, water is Beautiful. so 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 important. Yeah, and okay. you know, people always say to me, "How do you know if this stuff works?" Because obviously, a lot a lot happens in our body that we don't see. And I just say, you know, the power of the mind is so amazing. Do what you believe in, you know. There's been placebo experiments all over. If you believe 100% that the sugar pill or whatever you're doing is going to work, it's far more likely to work than something that is you're taking which you do not have any faith in. Yeah, and that is so, so, so important. The power of prayer mm. as well for people who have faith yeah. is really, yeah. really quite profound. Okay, so we're going to play those two songs for you, Three Little Birds, Bob Marley and Beatles, All I Need Is Love. It's been a real pleasure uh, chatting Thank with you, you this Elaine. afternoon, Gem. So tell tell listeners how they can get hold of you if they want to know more or perhaps consult with you on any health. Oh, matters. thanks, Elaine. So I've got two websites. I've got Gems Cancer Coaching, and it's Gem with a J, J E M S Cancer Coaching, all one word. .co.uk, and then also my bodywork and sex coaching website, which I also work with people with cancer through is gemairs.co.uk so i'll spell that j-e-m-a-y-r-e-s.co.uk thank you Fantastic. all right well thank you very much have a great rest of your day mm, thank you. i hope that was helpful for someone thank you elaine yeah, thank you